Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now he's talking to these guys this way because in the verses, the chapters leading up to this, he's basically telling them what's about to go down, what's about to happen. He's told them he's leaving. And uh, they weren't exactly excited about it. And later in this chapter, I believe it is, in the next couple of chapters, he, he's endeavoring to convince them, it's actually better for you if I go away. Can you imagine being one of the 12 and having your world completely rocked and changed over the last three years of your life? Seeing things, not only things you've never seen before, but seeing things nobody's ever seen before. And all because of this man right here. All because this guy showed up one day at your work and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Who even knew what that meant? But they just said, okay. And they went for it. And man, were their lives changed forever because of it. And now that same man standing in front of you going, hey, I'm leaving and it's better for you if I do. If you're one of Peter or the boys, you look back at him and say, you've been right about a lot of stuff, Jesus, but I'm going to call you on this one. You, there's no way it's better for me if you leave. I remember life without you. This is better. This is better. But you could tell they're having a hard time understanding this. And it got to the point, you see it here, their hearts were troubled over it. But Jesus said to them, don't let your heart be troubled. You don't let your heart be troubled. Other translations say agitated. It brings out the idea of being aggravated on the inside. Something's bugging you on the inside, troubled over it. He said, don't let that happen. Do you realize you are the one who's responsible over the condition of your heart? We say great things like, oh, Lord, my heart's in your hands. Just do whatever. You got to be careful over some of that stuff. He's given you and I responsibility over it. You and I are the ones who are supposed to set guard over our hearts. And that's why I say, don't let it be troubled. Don't let it, don't allow it to be agitated. And here's the way out of that troubled heart. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. If your heart's troubled, you're believing the wrong thing. If there's agitation in your heart, you got your eyes on something they shouldn't be on. You've turned your ears towards something they shouldn't be turned towards. Something got in Something got through the gate, something got past the guard, and it got in the middle. I feel like I'm jumping out ahead of myself here, but maybe that's fine. Something got past the guard. Something got past the gate, through the eye gate, through the ear gate. And when it did, it got down into the middle of your heart, and it changed the condition of your heart. Where once you were not troubled, something got in, and now you're troubled. Agitated on the inside, aggravated, bothered on the inside. And Jesus said, don't let that happen. Believe in God. Believe in me. Now, I love what he did next. He started talking to him about heaven. I go to prepare a place for you. They're upset over right now. They're upset over this raw deal that they're being dealt right now. Fix this right now. And that's what so many people want God to do. I'm angry about right now. Fix the here and now. But if you listen, you know what he'll start talking to you about? The there and then. 
Not the here and now. Get your eyes off this and get it on what's coming. There's power in looking forward to it. I go to prepare a place for you. He said, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Then he said it again later in the same chapter, verse 26. He said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Don't let it. Stop it. Stop it. And so much of the time in the New Testament, when you see these words, do not, or do not let, or do not allow, if you were to look them up in the original Greek, they could have, and maybe even should have been translated like this. Stop it. Stop. So there is an assertiveness, an, an aggressiveness almost about what Jesus is saying. Stop letting your heart be troubled. Stop allowing that. And I think if Jesus were to say that to people now, they'd be going, don't look at me. You're God. You don't let my heart be troubled. He said, no, I put that in your hands. I'm leaving you with peace. I'm giving you peace. But you're the one who has to set up guard. You're the one who has to put a guard at the gate. And don't let it in. Don't let it in. What gate? Well, what did Proverbs 4 say? Incline your ear to my saying. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart. How'd they get to the middle of your heart? They got in through your ears. They got in through your eyes. How do you guard the condition of your heart? You do it by guarding what gets in your eyes and what gets in your ears. And you set up a guard. Folks, most of what this world has to offer by way of entertainment, by way of information, most of it, and when I say most, I mean almost all of it, has no business in the eyes and the ears of a believer. No business. There are things that you and I have no business feeding on. And people, they, they roll their eyes at us and just think we're, you know, some religious nut, some holier-than-thou kind of thing, and we're just trying to tell people don't do this and don't do that and don't go here and don't watch that. It's fine, it's fine. But it's not just about the don't. It's not just about the don't. It's about the heart. There are things in our house, if something comes on television while we're sitting there as a family, and it's something I don't want our kids to see, they have become very accustomed to hearing, shut your eyes, shut your eyes, change it, turn it off. And it's not just because it's not something pleasant or it's something bad. What am I doing? I'm trying to guard their heart. I'm guarding their heart. As a family, we've been, I don't know where this came from. We're watching a lot of basketball these days. It's been sort of our family thing. We sit down and turn on a game and, and Justice is really into it. And I've told you before, Jessie's super into it. She's like, do they have a woman's NBA? I'm like, yeah, they do. She's like, huh, okay. 
I can tell the wheels are turning. She told me a couple of days ago, I want to play women's college basketball. I said, okay, you know, take a lot of work, but go for it. So, you know, it's just something we've kind of gotten into. Um, basketball, pretty harmless, right? Commercials, on the other hand. Commercials, on the other hand. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a constant exercise. Find the mute button, find the, find the channel changer, do something, get that off. I'm thinking of one thing now, some movies that are coming out uh, have to do, there's one, there's a movie coming out, don't even say the name, called The Devil Made Me Do It. And that preview is one of the most demonic things I've seen in a long time. I don't want that in my heart. Oh, come on. You're just being silly. You're just being hyper-spiritual. No. This is the most precious thing I have. And what's more, the hearts of my little ones, our children, I don't want that in their hearts. That's part of our responsibility, parents, to help them guard it until they can guard it themselves. I don't want that on the inside. Turn it off. Change it. There have been, I don't know how many shows in the last several weeks. I told the kids, okay, we'll start this one, but I have a feeling they're going to do this and they're going to say that and it's going to be like this. And when they do, I just want you guys to know, daddy's turning it off. Okay. Four minutes in. I said, there it is. We're not watching it. And they know, they get it. They get it. They don't argue with it. But what are we doing? I'm guarding a heart. Because out of that heart springs life. I don't want my 11-year-old, my 7-year-old trying to go to bed with a troubled heart. Lord, help us. Thank you, Lord. Let me move this along just a little bit. Go to, uh, go to Romans chapter 10, and then we'll look at Mark chapter 5. I don't know that I've preached just these things like this before, so I'm just trusting the Lord today to help us. I believe this is powerful stuff. Romans chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. Verse 8 says, What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Well, how did it get in your mouth? It first got in your heart. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Believing is in the heart. Faith is in the heart. You don't believe God with your head. You don't believe God naturally. You don't believe God with your uh, reasoning abilities. Faith is in and faith is of the heart. With the heart, you believe. You believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich. Listen, he is rich to all who call on him. That's coming out of the mouth. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Now look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? What's the answer? They can't. To call on God, which results in salvation, you got to step up a step before calling, and it's believing. Believe, then you call. You can't call on a God you don't believe exists. You don't call on a God that you don't believe is there. Something happened in your heart. I believe in the existence of God. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe in the love of God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to call on it. I'm calling on you, God. I'm calling on your goodness. I'm calling on your, your love. I'm calling on your mercy and your grace. I'm calling because I believe. And where'd that believing come from? Did it come because I sat down with pen and paper and calculator and figured out God? He's not a math equation. Are you hearing me? He is not discovered here. He's believed on in the heart. He said in verse 14, how are they going to call on him in whom they haven't believed? How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So where did the believing come from? The end result is calling. What was the step before calling? Believing. Well, there was a step before believing. What was it? Hearing. Something had to get through the gate. Something had to get past that gate to get down into the heart. How can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? I like this. How should they hear without a preacher? That's job security right there. Verse 15, how shall they preach unless they're sent? Skip down to verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How does faith get in the heart? The word got in the ears. The word got in the eyes. Don't kid yourself. If the word's not getting in the ears... If the word's not coming in through the eye gate and the ear gate, it is not. Faith is not in the heart. It's not. That's the only way faith or believing gets in there. And how can you call? How can you call on a good God if you don't believe he's good? How can you call on God at all if you don't first believe he is how can you call on his love if you don't believe the love? How can you call on his provision if you don't believe he'll provide? Well, how can you believe he is if you hadn't first heard he is? How can you believe he's good if you hadn't first and already heard he's good? How can you uh, believe the love if you hadn't heard he is love? He has love. He shows love. He gives love. See, when these things get in the ears, they get past that gate, they get down into the heart then you call in faith. Now let me show you this before we're done. Mark chapter 5. This is one of my favorite places in all of the ministry of Jesus. Mark chapter 5. Just start in verse 21. It says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Matthew's account says he worshipped him, saying, My little daughter, verse 23, lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. What's he doing right now? 
calling. This is calling. This is calling. He's calling on Jesus. He's calling on the power that's in Jesus. He's calling on the love of God that's manifested in Jesus. Now, one thing to make note of is who this man is. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He holds place. He holds position. He has power. And he's, he's got a, a religious position. And if you think back on what you know about the religious people in this day and time, these were not exactly the founding members of the Jesus Christ fan club. Let's put it like that. I guarantee you that most of the people Jairus lived with and worked with and palled around with and had similar position and places of authority. These were not fans of Jesus. These may have been some among, among them, some of the ones that wanted him dead. But here he is, catch this, in a life or death situation. His little daughter lies at the point of death. Is this the time to worry about what people think? No. Is this the time to let somebody else's opinion dictate who you call on and how you call on them? No. And you can see that. I mean, he fell at the feet of Jesus in that $2,000 suit he probably had on right there in the dirt. And man, he called and he called in faith. He worshiped him, fell at his feet. This is where faith puts you every time, at the feet of Jesus. He called on me and said, my daughter's at the point of death, but if you come, you lay your hands on her, she will live. There was so much faith in it. Look what happened. Verse 24, Jesus went with him. <laughs> I love it. No recorded words. We, didn't have, we don't have anything from Jesus trying to find out more about the situation, not investigating further. Just went with him. Why? He follows faith. He follows faith. And those who call on him will not be put to shame. But how can they call? How can they call on someone they hadn't believed? What does this tell you right here? Evidently, Jairus believes. He believes. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. You know the rest of this, verse 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, get ready. When she heard, she heard about Jesus. Now we just read in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But sometimes you got to do a study on those words and, it, and, and it's so much bigger than even just reading a Bible. That's a great place to start. But you look at those words and it literally means faith comes by hearing and hearing the anointed word or the words that came from the lips of the anointed one. Faith comes when you hear the word that comes out of Jesus, when you hear the anointed word about who him and who he is and, and what he does and what he longs to do, the anointed word, that's when faith comes. Faith doesn't come because somebody gave you some cold calculated reading of some old words written down a long time ago. Faith comes when you hear the anointed word. 
Just like there are some things that you as believers, as a believer, have no business hearing, there are other things that are worthy of your attention, that are worthy of your eyes and your ears being turned towards them. The anointed word. As believers, you and I should be feeding on the anointed word day in, day out, every day. What's keeping you from listening to the word? Huh? This is not just a Sunday thing. What, what is it that would keep you from hearing the word on a regular basis? I can tell you one thing that might have to happen. You might have to replace something that's been getting in the eyes and in the ears. Something that has no business in there. Even things that aren't necessarily demonic or, or wrong like that. But folks, just because the news is on 24 hours a day does not mean you have to listen to it 24 hours a day. It doesn't mean you have to turn it on in the car on your way to work. If you're showing up grumpy at work, cranky, ready to leave by 8:10 in the morning, go back and take stock and inventory of what's getting in the eyes and the ears from the time they open in the morning to the time you get there. Man, there was a few years ago, Sarah and I and the kids were, we were having to drive a long way. It's a long story. We were waiting on a house we were getting ready to move into to be done. And we were having to drive a long way from where we were staying to the kids' school. It's like a 45-minute drive. And it was like crunch time. From the time they got up, it was hit the ground running. And it was just this constant hurry, 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 hurry. And by the time we get in the car, and we're a few minutes late usually, pulling out of the driveway, it just takes that long. And now we got a 45-minute drive. And to make matters worse, there was like four railroad crossings between us and the school. So it was this gamble every day. Are we going to get stuck? Are we not going to get stuck? And we were getting, I say we, I was getting so cranky, so frustrated every day. And then one day on the way to school, I don't know where the thought came from other than the Lord. I decided to turn on some, some praise and worship music that I used to listen to and play as a teenager. I wanted the kids to hear it. And man, we rocked out the entire way to school, praising and worshiping the Lord. And when we got there, we were happy people. And I was like, somebody should tell people this. That it matters what you listen to. It matters what you feed on. Change the whole atmosphere of the car. Change the whole direction of the day. Why? Because the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.